you talked about automation. I, f- I find that really interesting, uh, Joe. Could you just give me a couple of examples or, or specific scenarios or ways in which uh, organizations could automate specific processes? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that, specifically in my role around privilege access and identity access management, mm-hmm. there's specific things that we can really do there that can actually help organizations automate a lot of things that humans don't necessarily need to be doing all the time. And a lot of those is you know rotating you know application passwords, service account passwords, that when humans get involved, sometimes they make mistakes, they forget things, they set them to be the same passwords, or they uh, forget to put extra security controls around them. So by taking that process and we actually look at it, you can automate that entirely to the point even where passwords can be rotated on a frequent basis where even humans don't even know them. They don't even need to know them. So that thing can be automated effectively, allowing the resources to focus on what's more important for the business around things like innovation and enabling uh, better user experience for their end users and employees. Okay, so really kind of taking that taking that burden off off human uh, human uh, functions really, and giving them more space to kind of think or, and time to think creatively. Too. Yeah, absolutely, I mean, it's something I've been doing actually my entire career is that when you actually get into doing something, I remember that there was a schedule uh, that needed to be run for backups and stuff like that, and you're just like, ah, oh, why do I have to keep doing this myself? Right. So you go actually go into you know your Perl scripts or your you know your VB scripts or your PowerShells. Um, you write your bit little, you know, was it codes that you actually do that on an automated basis and you throw it into a Windows task scheduler and that was it. Mm-hmm. So those were things we've been doing to help our jobs, but on an individual basis. What we really need to do is look at all those little automations that we've done and bring it all together to actually automate as much as we possibly can across the board. And that will help organizations scale, you know, reduce costs and also free up a lot of the resources to focus on things that really matter for the business. So, yeah, so I, I actually re- I read your publication. I thought it was fantastic, your blog and, and some of your feedback about um, the Black Hat event. And you made an interesting reference to uh, Dino's keynote um, where, you thought that the, where, where you thought that it should actually be in reverse. Could you just explain that? Because I think it would be fantastic for the people watching this today. Absolutely. One of the things, though, when I was listening to the keynote and going through and I was thinking that actually, you know, Every security team should not be a software team. You know that it should actually be. You know they should have software skills. Absolutely, they don't need to be developers. But it, I thought that you know every software team now needs to be a security team uh, because we're looking at a lot of these OWASP proactive you know security uh, controls in the top ten, which means that yes, we need to put best practices and good security culture within developers so that we're actually doing you know development by design. And then we had an online discussion after Black Hat, and we went back and forward and. I give my opinion, he give his, and ultimately what we did come to a conclusion was that at the end of the day, that yes, you know, security teams and software teams both need to uh, share experiences and best practices, but at the end of the day, cybersecurity is everyone's responsibility. Right. That it's all part, we need to make it more part of a company culture, and the more we embed it into the company culture and DNA, the DNA of the organization is what we can do is make this organization much more resilient overall. So what do you believe is the best approach for a CISO uh, to receive budget from the board uh, in an organization if in a lot of cases it's deemed as unnecessary or uh, essentially could be a waste of money, but, mm. but the CISO obviously knows differently, knows the importance of this particular security project, for example. Um, what, what would be your advice or the best approach, um, the, the, the advice that you would give a CISO? What, what, what do you think? Yeah, this is a major challenge today for many scissors is going to the board and you know giving their 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 use cases and giving the request for budget. And in many cases, they're getting the, the lowest end of the budget or even not getting the budget increase that they need. 
And it's really kind of a shame because many organizations is the problem is it's really about effective communication and, and the failure from the CISO to communicate in a business value or business language. Um, I've been involved in a number of CISOs, you know, going to the board and actually requesting for budget increase. And I learned myself from making mistakes. What I found was that when, I, when we were going to the board and we were actually presenting fear, we were talking about technology, we were talking about threats, we were talking about cyber attacks. We were talking about the things that actually didn't reflect and wasn't uh, seen as tangible directly to the business. There were things that the business was worried about and, and knew that they needed to do something about, but it didn't reflect a return on investment. It didn't have the really understanding about, you know, how does it help the business? And we, this, we hear this, we hear this a lot. Absolutely. You know, I mean, we saw one organization, uh, obviously we can't name, um, that it allegedly spent more on coffee than the IT security <laughs> budget. So sometimes yeah, it's not surprising. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, well, that's probably consumed by the IT department actually drinking the coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> if they increase the budget, maybe there'll be less coffee spent because they're not working around the clock. That's good. Um, that's good. So, but absolutely. I mean, one, one thing is that I, when I look at a lot of the metrics that actually IT departments and the CISOs are measuring, they measure the reactive side of things. How many incidents they stopped? Um, you know, how many data breaches occurred? Uh, how many patches they need to deploy, uh, what about people clicking in links and so forth. They're measuring all these reactive things, and then that's typically what you know, end up being used to show why they need to increase budget to reduce the reactive of those uh, metrics. I think we really need to look in reverse. Actually, I was very surprised they did some research recently about what me measurements uh, CISOs are doing, and at the bottom of their priority was actually the business value. And they next to actually need to reverse those. They actually need to bring the value, business value ones up to the top. It's how much I'm helping employees do their job, mm -hmm. how much I'm helping uh, departments roll out new technology to be more efficient and more effective, how um, I'm actually reducing wasted time of employees having to go and reset passwords, mm -hmm. having to go and take longer to log into accounts or log into systems. How can I automate? How can I make that more effective? How can I help the employee do their job and achieve their goals? That should be at the top of every CISO's basically metrics is how they're enabling the business. And it's, those are the metrics that actually, when they go to the board, that's what the board hears and understands. And they actually will be more willing to give more budget to make that better, rather than going with the threat-based model that many CISOs tend to go with. Because when you talk to many vendors, unfortunately, that's the message the vendors give. They have the fear of threat, you know, and scaring. This goes back to what you were saying earlier about fearing the risk, right? Yep. So once you go into this area, you really need to reverse it. While the metrics about the reactive and the threats are important, it's not, those are not the ones that gets the budget. So by focusing on business first and business value and the risk side of things, then that's what going into communication. Actually, when I went the second time, uh, when the first time we got actually the budget denied, we, went to, we got a second opportunity, we didn't mention cybersecurity once. We focused at return on investment. We focused at how we're making the employees more effective, but at the same time, more safer. Mm -hmm. We focus around basically how we're enabling new technology be uh, adopted and deployed much faster, mm -hmm. enabling the business to become more successful and more competitive. And it was that message that actually got us budget, not the fear of phishing and the fear of, of ransomware. Right. Yeah. Um, those were almost seen as necessity risks, mm -hmm. um, but anything that helps enable the business grow faster mm -hmm. is what actually will derive uh, budget from the board. Excellent, and uh, I mean, on that as well, I mean, that, 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 I, I couldn't agree more. Um, on, on that as well, and we were talking about the two-way communications earlier, mm -hmm. So um, if you have, have you got some examples of some um, specific types of questions that the CISOs can be asking the board before they start 
uh, presenting this to them. So what, what, how, how can they, so the communication mm-hmm. is, is two way and it's very important as you said, but how can the CISO engage the boards and, and ask the right questions uh, in order to, 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 to listen to mm-hmm. them essentially? I mean, absolutely, this is, this is key is that, you know, the simple thing that the CISO can ask the board is, is what is your metrics? What are you measuring as success? Knowing exactly, you know, what's their sales target? Which team is going to be the most, you know, getting the most focus for the next 12 months? What uh, new like regions they're going to be investing in, uh, locations, and then really getting into understanding because that's what the CISO can see as well. This is their metrics. How can I help that? How can I help achieve it? And then when you understand the different department met- metrics, for example, whether it being uh, the talent resources, whether it being, for example, the finance team, and understanding about what new technologies they may be adopting and investing, listening to the metrics, understanding what they are, and then aligning the things that you can actually help them achieve it. What areas has overlap? Um, you need to provide access controls or identities or authentication for them to enable those solutions. How can you enable it, but at the same time make sure that you're actually doing it in a safe and a secure way? And that's the area that by listening and understanding about what the other department's initiatives are, what their goals are, by aligning my goals to theirs, and then helping them actually achieve it successfully is how I actually get success. And also creates a much more positive experience between the organization. Because they feel understood. They understood, there's communication going on, and they're seeing me as an enabler of the business and no longer as just a reactive uh, incident response to bad things.